Hey everyone, welcome to the 420 Podcast. On this episode, the topic is, what is church? So we invite you to listen in on that conversation. Um, We're really excited about the direction of the church, what Jesus is doing in the earth today. And um, if you wanna find out more about us, visit 420ministries.net. All right, y'all, I'm here with Clay and Matt, two awesome dudes, and we're here to talk about uh, church today. Uh, it's a pretty simple question. What is church? And so um, growing up, I always thought church made me a good person. I don't think that's the case anymore. Nice. <laughs> I think church can make you a good person. Church can make you bitter, but that's not the goal of church. And so I've seen church do polar opposites to different people. Um, Clay has an amazing revelation. Actually, it's just Bible 101 on what church is. And let's start off with the, I guess, the basic definition of church. Clay, take it from here, buddy. What is church? Man, I don't know about amazing revelation, but I did read a book <laughs> one time. That, but it honestly, what you just said, the way that you started that made me think of this one time I was auditioning. Uh, for I was in college and I was auditioning with this church to be their worship leader. And I sat down with like their board of elders and it was a pretty like grassroots church. It was probably a hundred people, maybe 50 people. Like it was pretty small. And I just asked them the question of like, why do you guys gather together? And it was like, they froze. They looked at each other and they couldn't give me an answer until finally one lady said like, well, we want our kids to grow up with good values. And that was the answer for like, why do we gather together? And it was at that moment that I realized I didn't want to work at that church. Like I, I turned down the job, not because they weren't great people, but because if we're simply gathering together um, for moralism and to become, you know, better people, there's better ways to do that. I mean, I can go, I have friends that just go and do yoga on the beach and see a counselor once a week and hang out with friends and like, I mean, that has pretty good results too. Uh, but uh, I think something that we talk about a lot is gathering for the presence of God. That's not what you asked, but just what came to mind. Uh, I Last year, I read an incredible book um, called Ecclesia. It's by Ed Silvosa, I think. And I picked it up because Bill Johnson said it may be the greatest book written or the most impactful book of this generation. And so he's a, Ed Silvosa is a pastor from Venezuela um, and really just gave language to me uh, for what is the ecclesia. And he talked about that in uh, the uh, Jewish culture, Jesus could have picked three uh, different words to describe his followers, like the group of his followers together. Um, And he could have picked uh, the temple, which back in the day, obviously the temple was in Jerusalem. And a lot of people believe the Jewish people believed that you had to go to the temple in order to uh, in order to worship, that that's actually where God's presence was, that he wasn't anywhere else. He was in the temple. Uh, and then there were synagogues. The other, So Jesus could have said, on this rock, I will build my synagogue, um, which was in each village or town. Once you hit a certain number of people, then you would set up a synagogue kind of in the center of the community. And then each Sabbath, you would come together, you would read scripture. And because uh, not everybody had access to scripture, so you'd keep that at the synagogue. And that's where you would do church. And really, if we look look at uh, the church today, that's probably the church resembles mostly what a synagogue was, is that you would gather once a week, uh, gather together, maybe have a meal together, and 
read through the scriptures and then sing a few hymns. Um, and that's really what the synagogue was. But Jesus didn't use either of those uh, Jewish words or Jewish um, social structures. What he did was he just stole a word from the Romans. And so he used the word ecclesia. And uh, I've heard it, people nowadays use the term a lot of it was a gathering of people but what ed savosa did in his book he went really in depth as to what that meant and he talked about how the ecclesia was the gathering of two or more roman citizens in any area of the roman land so obviously rome conquered judea conquered israel but also conquered uh, most of the modern world at that point and anytime that two roman citizens which were men 18 years or older who had at least two years of military service anytime that they gathered together it was said that the power of rome the authority of rome was there that they then had the authority to enact the power and rule of rome into their area because they were citizens of Rome. And so that's exactly why Jesus said that anywhere where two or three gather in my name, two or more gather in my name, there I am with them, there my kingdom is. And so what he's doing is the, the audience would have understood, oh, it's just like Rome. Anytime we gather together, we are there to enact the kingdom. And so when Jesus said, wherever two or more uh, gather in my name, and he said, I will build my uh, on well, he said to Peter, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. What he's saying is I will build my movement. That's not about a building. It's not about a specific location. It's not even about specific gatherings. It's about any time where two or more people agree together and specifically uh, gather together wherever they are for the purpose of seeing kingdom breakthrough. So that's if two co-workers in, say, they work at the Capitol building downtown Indianapolis here, they go into work and they say, hey, we are going to see the kingdom of God come in the Capitol building here. That is an ecclesia. That is together where they come together and they see the kingdom of God, um, basically heaven touching earth. And that definition um, made it so much more about living out the gospel, not getting rid of gatherings at all, but saying so much of, man, we can see the kingdom come and the power of God's kingdom happen no matter where we are. All it takes is two or more. Come on, bro. What, is that, go ahead, Matt. That. <laughs> <laughs> Matt with our sound effects. <laughs> that was great. It's, it's that we're professional podcasters. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm I'm there in their midst. Um, it's a it's a fascinating shift, and I learned more from Clay speaking in the past two minutes than I did from four years of Bible college. Partly and mainly because I didn't care in Bible college. Um, so now did you that go I to do classes, care, did you show up? Um, let's <laughs> not. Together. Yeah, you guys went to college together. Did you guys? Okay, Matt, let's ask about Jeff because I feel like Jeff, Matt, you would show up to Bible classes or you would show up to classes probably on time. You would take notes. Is that's that because for the most part, that's because he would have been kicked out. <laughs> that is, yeah. Okay. My, my first semester at CCU, I was I was conditionally accepted, <laughs> which for, <laughs> for those listening, it essentially meant I could only take. I think I was only allowed to take something small. It was like, it was like 13, 13 credit hours, 14 credit hours, um, which was, is like not even like a, a real semester. And so, but yeah, I was on thin ice. <laughs> I showed I mean, Jeff, up to I class, just, I Matt, can't... right? Yes. But you... no 8 a.m.s. Jeff, I feel like you, an 8 Dude, I skipped way too many classes, okay? <laughs> there it is. Um, I was a terrible student. 
Absolutely awful. Yes. Jeff and I, one of the first classes I remember having with Jeff, I, I, I think it might've been something with like, maybe geography, dude. Tell me why. Tell me why I had to take a geography class class when my major (laughs) um, ended up being preaching. Tell me why you go to a Christian college and have to take geography class. The the class was actually, it was, it was called, well, there was actually geography, but, and then it was Bible lands and life ways, you know, that map section in the back of your Bible. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. You studied that. I don't know. You tell me (laughs) pretty, pretty much. Man, we had a, I had an old Testament class one time that it literally was, there was only one test for the entire class and you took the test like four times throughout the year. And so you just had to basically put the books of the Bible in order and like the progression of the Old Testament in order. And that was an entire semester. So you would take the test like a month in and then you would take the test like three months or like two months in and then three months in and then a final or it was something like that. And that was the entire class. That was a hard class to show up to once we had already (laughs) taken it like once. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. What is church? church? Yeah, I had this encounter with this with this woman at a gas station uh, yesterday, uh, where it it was a it was an odd encounter. I was I was paying for gas and I heard her like from another pump say, "My back, my neck, my back," and uh, so I thought it was a good time to ask her if she had pain. And uh, she's she's she was caught off guard. She was on the phone and she was like, "No, that's a song," and. I said, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's like, why, why, you know, that's the question we get a lot. Why are you asking? And I said, well, if you have pain in your body, I was going to pray for you and Jesus would have healed you. And, uh, you know, she thought that was weird enough. And I said, well, you have a good day. And, uh, you know, I left her alone and then she's getting in her car. She's like, are you a chiropractor or something? And, um, I said, not at all. Um, I said, do you have, do you have pain in your body? She said, yeah, I do have pain in my back. Um, and I prayed for her and, uh, she, she got healed. She was freaked out while sitting in her car. She's testing it out. And, um, it is always a great, great place for people to be in when you're sharing, getting ready to share the gospel. And I just asked her, I said, you know, I shared the gospel. I said, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And the, the, this is probably the most common answer to that question I get. Um, it's either I used to go to church or, I go to church or I go to church every now and then. Why, like, why do we relate going to church with a relationship with Jesus and how, how does that go against the grain of like the definition of it, of Ecclesia? Um, like, why do we equate our relationship with Jesus to going to church? Is that something like our Midwest or Western Christianity has driven into the minds of people of like, if you go to church, you're saved. You know, it's funny when this this was before I went to Teen Challenge, but before I was a student there, it was really funny. Um, I I would say when I officially was like, okay, I'm one, I honestly don't even know if I ever really would have called myself a Christian un, until like way, way later in life. But I associated with anytime someone would say, hey, Matt, are you, are you a Christian? <laughs> I would actually say, yeah, I go to church on Sundays. Um, and, and that, that was actually, that was my response for a very long time, but it really wasn't until like almost early twenties that I, that I had a relationship with Jesus. I understood, well, technically I'm learning more and more every day. And I, every time I learn more, I am aware of how much I don't understand, 
but um so i'll use that word loosely but that was when i understood like what intimacy and relationship and being a, a bride of jesus a, a son of the living god meant but for the early years of my faith i would actually i would always answer it that matt are you saved or are you uh, are you a christian yeah I, I go to church on sundays and so for the longest time before i truly knew jesus that was always my response mm. yeah. and i, I think mean, we we say all this within a context of all of us are part of local bodies and actually, Matt and I, we work at different churches. One thing I love about our crew is that we're deeply involved in four separate churches. We kind of have four families in our leadership team, and all of us go to separate churches. All of us love our local churches, and we love the gathering of believers so much. Um, and so we say all of this in a context of, man, the Lord, uh, the the bride of Christ, the local church is such a gift from the Lord. Um, and at the same time, I think we can overemphasize the Sunday morning context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and another disclaimer, uh, this is all stuff that we're learning. Uh, we don't claim the, the rights to the real, real estate on what is church. Um, <laughs> That's a good we disclaimer. are, we are young and we don't know what we're doing most of the time. Um, but like in general, like, is that, I'm trying to figure out like why people equate their relationship with the Lord to just going to church. And is that because like we're gathering for people in general, like in the church or like, what are, my question is, what are we gathering for? Um, and Clay, you explained it in Ecclesi- in the definition of Ecclesia, gathering unto Jesus Christ, um, for the purposes of advancing his kingdom, but like, where did we get that wrong? And, and, and do people equate the relationship with Jesus to just going to church because we're gathering for something other than, than him? Are we gathering for people? You know, I think it's interesting, especially, um, this season, I'd like to think we're coming out of it with, with all the COVID stuff, but I think COVID really related, um, and and unfortunately, I, I really do believe that this was unintentional in, in in the hearts of in the hearts of man. But um, I think COVID actually revealed, in a church culture sense, how much idolatry was, has been placed on the Sunday morning gathering, and that we are essentially, um, and I mean this in all honor and all respect. I'm I'm a pastor in a local church, so obviously I'm obviously I'm for the local church. But when we actually are 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 having a spoon-fed gospel and and having an environment that it's like you're only getting fed on Sunday mornings or even worse, because this is just a horrible expectation to put on your head pastor, when it is your head pastor's responsibility to feed you, encourage you, and build you up in the Lord, um, you only know how to get into the presence on a Sunday morning. Mm. And And then our prayer closets have cobwebs growing on them and 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 we and we come into an, a time to be alone with Jesus um where where it's it's us on our face on our knees or walking whatever and and it's almost like sitting across a table having coffee with a friend or with someone that's not a friend but that's an acquaintance and it's socially awkward and we don't know what to do so because we are operating out of this is socially awkward I don't know what to do I'm going to go find someone else that does know Jesus and have them define him for me and I'm going to live into intimacy with Jesus through someone else's revelation history intimacy um, and the second that we take that away it's like what are we really left with the good thing that I love about that and 
um, is that I, I think COVID drove people into a place of, because I actually, I heard this happening with a lot of people. It drove people into a place of like, man, I learned how to be on my face with the Lord in such a way that it was like, all right, man, like Jesus, it is you and me in this room. It is, it is you and me sitting across the table, having coffee from one another. It is you and me together. Like, um, I, I, I need to learn how you move, how you breathe, what, 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 when I sense you, what does that feel like, sense like, what is it here like? And so, but I think we do a disservice to ourselves and to the local church when we actually unintentionally at times lead the church body into bondage um, because we don't teach them how to dig wells of their own. Um, and, and as believers, we don't have wells of our own that we are, we are able to draw from because we're so used to someone else feeding us rather than um, fishing and feeding for ourselves, <laughs> if you will. And so I don't know, that's, I've, I've been guilty of that. I've been corrected of that. And I've hopefully walked that out in both arenas in, in a way that hopefully I can say is decent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think as a pastor, it can be a very easy, I don't know, trap to fall into, like, especially for those of us who really like accomplishment. Like I, sometimes I just do busy things to feel like I'm doing something, you know, like to feel valuable. And, um, oh, yeah for me, it can be very easy to fall into, uh, the idea, like taking proud that people need me. And so I think as a pastor, even like caring for people, I have to be very, uh, quick to recognize of like, man, it is a much more success if people are able to hear the voice of God for themselves. And maybe they come to me to bounce words off of and say, Hey, does it sound like the Lord? Awesome. I would love to be a backboard for people rather than them needing to come to me to, hear like what God is saying for them. You know, I, I love the phrase of as a pastor, my number one priority is to teach people how to hear God's voice for themselves, not to hear uh, God's voice for them. Mm. And yeah, um, want to continue to get better on that and stay away from anything that is any system that is creating a reliance of people on us or a few people who mm. are seen as in ministry, because I really think that one of the biggest emphasis, emphases, emphasize, emphasis of yeah. Jesus yes, using the word ecclesia. emphasis, emphasis, mm. emphasis. Oh, yeah, uh, that Jesus chose. Um, he didn't choose the temple. He didn't choose the synagogue to represent his people. He chose the ecclesia, which I'm sure threw pe some people off, but is the priesthood of all believers is that both the synagogue, the synagogue had like leaders to it and the temple had priests that would go between God and people. And with the ecclesia, it's like anybody who's a citizen is able to hear yeah. God's voice is able to enact the kingdom and see the kingdom come. Yes, absolutely. Through the early church. And we see acts, we see leadership and godly authority and submission to leadership and absolutely like that's totally a part of things but really the idea that i want to see people raised up that can hear god's voice for themselves and for others and that are acting as the ecclesia in every context that they walk into and then when we gather together we are gathering together as uh man i just dream i dream y'all of gatherings where we gather together for the presence of god just to be together with jesus as the bride of christ to Come love on. on him to worship him to surrender our hearts coming with an offering to give and we're just everybody's going off like one by one testimony of how god showed up throughout their weeks man i got to pray for this person this week i got to share the gospel this way like this is my new friend who i'm bringing because 
because they encountered Jesus at the gas station and they thought I was a chiropractor, but their back got healed. You know, all of these things, like that's what we see in, in the book of Acts is that they would gather together, they would eat together and they would be together to worship and to pray. Like they came for the Lord to bless the Lord, to connect with the Lord. And then naturally out of that, you... I just think you naturally talk about what you're passionate about. I talk about the NBA too much. I try to hold myself back because nobody knows what I'm talking about, but I'm passionate about it. I enjoy it. It's the same thing with the Lord, man. Like if he's our first love, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk dude. about it. And if we're, we have to be looking at him enough. And in order to spend time looking at him, we have to prioritize that. And I, I think that as we gather together, what is church? I'm so passionate about gathering together to minister to the Lord that we gather for the presence. And sometimes yeah. it looks like worship that looks like singing. Sometimes that looks like just sitting before the Lord. It looks like showing up together and saying, all right, the Lord's the leader. If it's yeah. best that we just sit and do nothing. Awesome. If it means that we sing the whole time. Awesome. If it looks like uh, a meal and preaching. Awesome. But he's the leader. Yeah. And I want to walk out of there saying i cannot wait to tell my coworkers about how good the lord is or how my leg grew out this week because god healed me or or whatever it is <laughs> it's just an overflow it's a back and forth then we encounter god in the workplace during the week and we come back and we just celebrate what he's done all together and then we go back out because we're come on that's exciting Dude, that's a church yeah 100 percent, bro and and we can only speak on what we're learning what we failed on and then uh you know, our experience and what we're doing. And yeah. you, you summed it up pretty much. And it, it brought two verses to, to like, to my mind, as you were speaking, um, uh, the verse that says you are, you are now a Royal priesthood unto the Lord. And then the verse that says Ephesians two twenty two, I think you are being built together to be God's dwelling place. And like, like to us is four twenty. that's our goal right there. Uh, first and foremost, we are priests that minister to the Lord. What's a call of a priest. Uh, if you look at the Levitical priesthood, the, the calling of, of, of the Levitical priesthood spanned across old Testament and new Testament, it was never supposed to go away. When Jesus died, he made a way for us all to be covered in the blood and enter into the Holy of Holies and become a the the um the job description of the Levitical priesthood was to minister to the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And the New Testament priesthood has the exact same calling of ministering to the heart of God. And then according to Ephesians 2:22, God is building us up together to be a, a resting place for him. And so we're going after those two things with all we have of like, what's it look like to raise up a, a New Testament priesthood? Their number one job description is to minister to the heart of God. And to minister means to take care of, um, to pour out, to pour into, um, to um, achieve what God wants to achieve on the earth. And then to be a resting place. What's it look like to have a resting place um, for God in our city? And I don't want to give uh, millennials or Gen Zers or anyone young, an excuse to walk away from the local body of Christ because they were hurt because they're not doing their preference of ministry. That's not submission to authority. That's not a good thing to do. Um, so we're not, we're not trying to build something in reaction to something that we think is done in a way that we don't like. Uh, we're, we're examining our hearts about why we gather and we believe the Lord's given us a commission and a mandate to, uh, to build up a kingdom culture of people that, uh, step into their priestly duties to minister to the heart of Jesus through worship, prayer, intercession, thanksgiving. There's so many things and to be a resting place for God himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so boom, if it, dude, if, if you're listening to this too, and you're wanting like this book right here, it's called enthroned. 
Uh, it's called Enthroned by a guy named David Fritch. So one, the book, Clay, I don't, I, I, I don't remember the title of the book that you mentioned about that specifically talks about that. Ecclesia, E-K-K-L-E-S. Ecclesia. S-I-A. I don't I think know. There's two S's. So two S's. we actually, we, when, when myself, Jeff and Clay, we went um, on a trip to Upper Room, Michael Miller spoke, uh, who is the senior leader, senior pastor at Upper Room, recommended this book, all three of us got, I think Jeff actually bought like, literally like 15 copies or something. <laughs> Everyone on our team read it. Um, and this, so just practical thing, if you're listening to this, and you're wanting to learn, like have something in writing that talks a lot about what we are also talking about. This book really helped our team out a lot. The language in it, David Fritsch does a pretty incredible job about debunking some of the things of um, like, what does it mean to minister to the Lord? Why do we minister to the Lord? Even certain expressions of why, do, why does the church gather? So the book that Clay recommended and then also um, enthroned are great resources. It's good. It's really good. We are not getting paid to say that. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to pay us to say that, we'll advertise it even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Ones, but I well, think, the 30 second window at the end, we'll talk about it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the tension of, of what we're talking about because I, I do think that there's such an emphasis in the way that the Lord uh, referred to emphasis. The, the, the emphasis. You're right. Uh, the idea of an ecclesia in that it can be lived out every day, no matter where you are in your workplace at home um, as being really resting places for God everywhere that you go. And I, I think that that's a big emphasis. <clears throat> and also there is such a value in gathering together and especially doing so in community and just thinking about in the, in the early church, it would have been unheard of to try to follow Jesus on your own, like getting kicked out of the church would have been like absolutely unbelievable like they you would begin to question your salvation like if you weren't a part of of that like to be a christian meant to live in community with other christians mm. and something that we've really been talking about is just this idea of the lord really does place our purpose or our calling or the tasks that he has called us to do like the bible says that he's prepared us for good works really believe more and more as as we do this together that the lord is the good works that god has created us for are within the people that he has created us to be with wow. and i just think that so often especially like i mean we all went to christian colleges i'm sure i'm sure we went we had so many conversations of just like man i, I don't know what god is calling me to do like what is god calling me to do and it's all about like the job or the task or the like what what uh role has god called me to play and very rarely do we hear like uh, do we just talk about man god has called me to be with these people and once mm -hmm. i'm doing life with these people and i am truly known by these people and I am trusted by them, and I trust them, then I know that God will put tasks and roles in my in my way that he has called me to live out. But yes. that's what we see in, in the early church in, in Acts 2, is that people were living in covenant community with each other. And I don't want to romanticize that. They, they were dealing with plenty of issues themselves and figuring things out in the early church. But one mm -hmm. thing that they did really well is they lived in covenant with each other and saying, hey, we're not going anywhere. Like, they, they didn't have the opportunity to just like 
leave and start another church. Like there was one church in Jerusalem. Like yeah. you couldn't just start your own church. You couldn't go to another church. There was no other church. It was like, you are in it together and you're going to work out your problems with each other, or we're going to have issues. <laughs> you Come know, on, it's just like, we are committed to each other and we're not going anywhere. And within that context, I feel like the Lord gives us our tasks and our roles. And I just, what if we thinking of, of futures where you move somewhere, not because your job sent you there, but because, Hey, there's this community of believers that I want to be a part of. And I know that God will provide the job. He'll provide the everything else around that because I'm moving there to be a part of community with others. That's actually why Matt moved to Indy. There you go. Kudos. Yeah. Shout out, Matt. Paid Matt, you're a great example. 15 dude. seconds, Matt general. I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, but that goes against <laughs> that. That so goes against the grain of individuality or individualism. Yeah. Um, and like my heart behind gathering as well. One of my favorite stories in scripture, I think is first Chronicles 20 or second Chronicles 20. Um, I can't remember it off the top of my head where the people of God had an army coming up against them. That was stronger, bigger, scarier. They had no idea what to do. And um, the, the leaders could have, could have brainstormed a great strategy and they could have um, isolated themselves from the rest of the people. Uh, but, but the, the leader in charge said, number one, we need to seek the face of God. Like we need to get before him, get in his presence. And that was the only strategy that he came up with. Um, so they gathered all of the people of God together. They're seeking the face of God. They're, they're actually letting their fear drive them to the face of, of God. And they they're crying out uh, to the Lord. And I love it because the Holy spirit landed on one random dude and he started prophesying the answer to their problem in the midst of a gathering. They were gathering unto the King and the Holy spirit lands on one random guy. He starts prophesying. He says that this battle belongs to the Lord. And the strategy came through the Holy spirit landing on that guy where they sent worshipers ahead and they started worshiping. They didn't send an army. They sent worshipers. They started worshiping and the Lord sent confusion and the Lord took care of the enemy. And like, what does it look like to like, that gets me fired up of like, we're gathering to seek the face of God. We're gathering unto him and the Holy spirit will do all the work. Um, we need to let Jesus be the great shepherd. We need to let Jesus be the counselor, Jesus be the healer. We need to let Jesus be the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Uh, when we gather and seek his face and we gather unto him and to minister to him and be a resting place for him, that's actually when I believe the Holy spirit will land on people in our midst and they they actually become awakened to why they're alive um man i man i was set on fire on that gathering and, and the holy spirit gave me blueprints to why i'm alive now i have a destiny and a calling and then excuse me the church as a whole can now get behind that person and 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 excel them in what god's called them to do and i just love the idea of we're gathering for him and and like it really is that simple uh, we're not gathering even for people <laughs> and that's hard for, for shepherds to hear and, and pastors and teachers. Um, but we see when a, when a shepherd that like they're essential, teachers are essential. Uh, when, when they're usually in charge they're the whole service is based around either taking care of people or teaching people. Um, and we need the, we need the apostolic people, the prophetic people. We need the evangelist who offends everyone um, and freaks out because we're not out on the streets evangelizing at the moment. Uh, but we need all of us together to be a resting place for God. And then the Holy Spirit come, comes and rests and lands on people and activates them. And it's a beautiful thing. 
Man, dude. I was blown away at just our last gathering and as we were figuring this thing out. I will so we've been doing like gatherings for what, a year? <laughs> I guess it's been two years now since we did Glory Nights, right? Yeah, I I don't know. I lost track. Of their own unique unique expression in a way. Yeah. So we started off with just how the Lord has been been teaching us. I, I think it would be worthwhile to tell a little bit what the Lord has been doing, I think, with us. Of we gathered together and we got to know each other about two and a half years ago. The Lord really brought us together with some crazy connections. And um we all had similar heart and mission to see unity in Indianapolis, to see people equipped to live about the gospel every day. Um, and my heart just burned to create a culture of ministering to the Lord. And so we all got together and we were like, man, all right, let's start doing glory night. So that's once a month, we're gathering all these different churches from all over the city. And we go into the inner city because that's where we feel like the Lord has called us. And we get together and we have a band put together of all these uh, different places and we worship right downtown. Um, and it was good. Like it was, it was pretty good and had a pretty sizable turnout partnered with a church downtown um, that was pretty cool. But after a few months of doing it, we're like, man, this isn't life-giving for us. It was starting to just pull, uh, more out of us than it was pouring into us. We're like, these are good, but we just don't feel like this is what the Lord is breathing on. And we went to, to upper room and basically they told us like, uh, our friend Mufa there just said, Hey, the Lord has told you, you're not going to travel next year. Cause we, you guys were doing a lot of traveling during that was time. in 2019 in 2019. Yeah. That's that's a good point. That, so that was two years ago. In 2019, the end of 2019, he said, God, I just feel like God is saying that he's going to pull back everything that you're doing, that everything is going to be smaller, that you are not going to go overseas. You're uh, stopping that. And that was like after a year of doing these uh, larger gatherings, trying out different methods, trying out doing meals. Sometimes we wouldn't do meals. Like we're just trying all these different ways of doing gatherings of churches. And then he told us that, all right, God is going to pull it all back. So we're like, oh man, what does that even mean? So 2020, obviously COVID hit out of nowhere. And uh, we started doing these smaller, just family nights where it's just people together in a house. Well, quick, quick tangent, quick tangent on what Mufa, what Mufa said. I mean, we, we asked him how many questions we ask him, um, like a lot of questions and literally like, cause we want to grow in diversity. We want to grow in unifying the body of Christ. We want to grow in all these areas. So we're asking him like, Hey, you know, you have such a diverse church. How do you do that? And we ask him like 20 questions and he, he literally gives the same answer every single time. So <laughs> he looked at us like we were stupid. He said, we, we, in his Croatian accent, said we minister to the Lord and he takes care of the rest. Can you re-say it in the accent? I, I don't, I don't know his accent though. I, I can't, over I can only do, I can only do English. <laughs> it wasn't English. <laughs> it wasn't that. And I can only do uh, Irish as well, but that's, that's for another time. Uh, Clay, <laughs> keep, keep going though. 2020 rolls around. No, man, that was good. And so, yeah, 2020 rolls around. We start prioritizing Wednesday morning prayer sets where we just get together and we've learned as a team and spent time growing as a team. Uh, What's a prayer set? Well, I was going to get to it. Basic definition. Yeah. So the prayer set is we come together and we uh, follow kind of some language that Upper Room gave us of um, TPWI, which is uh, Thanksgiving, praise, worship, and intercession. We come before the Lord and we thank him 
and we get our eyes up. It's just lifting up our eyes and fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um, I love what Michael Miller says that when we begin worshiping, the Holy Spirit shows up and the Holy Spirit has loves to speak to us and he has one favorite topic and that's Jesus. And so as we begin to worship, many yeah. times the Holy Spirit will begin highlighting and honing in on one specific aspect of Jesus. And so Wednesday mornings have been so key in learning as we as a team through worship, through uh, prayer, through just speaking things out sometimes and saying, hey, I feel like God is saying this. Uh, we've learned and are learning to uh, submit to each other to follow the Holy Spirit. And there's been times when we've messed up, but really becoming like students of God's presence. What does God enjoy? What does, uh, what results in breakthrough or deeper manifestations of his presence as he shows up in, in these certain ways. And so we've been doing that for on Wednesday mornings, uh, started doing that. And then family nights became every other week and they were just in a house and we just gathered. Uh, we uh, basically stripped it down and said, we're going to minister to the Lord. And maybe at the end, we'll have some teaching and ministry time. And that's basically going to be it, making it super simple. Um, and man, the Lord has just really shown up in some powerful ways for that. And I really feel like uh, when we've done that, and then we've also done team nights where we as a team, we just gather together because we hit a point where we essentially just said, we can't just keep doing ministry together without investing relationally. And Matt was a, a huge, you were such a big advocate for that, man, um, of helping to oversee our team and pushing for it's not sustainable if we're just going to do ministry together we have to build a family behind the scenes yeah. and uh and that's our that's our heart and so we can only i think lead people as well as we're able to to lead and to love each other well so and that's where we're at so we've tried like a billion different things and we've kind of just landed on what seems to be giving life now is we gather together to minister to the Lord. And then we also are intentionally building relationship, even when it's tough and awkward and hard and there's babies crying. And one of us is pregnant all the time. I just lose track of who, but it's happening all the time. And I'm pregnant right now. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Sorry. We are pregnant. Liz, Liz, if you're listening to you guys this, do any day, um, we, any day. we are pregnant. Matt, Matt, you just had a baby. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. to an outsider, it sounds like we got everything figured out. Um, but I assure yeah, you, with one, yeah, with one hundred percent certainty, we have no no idea what we're doing, and we continue to have no idea what we're doing. Uh, but we do know that God's presence is so worth it, and that's the one thing that we're all committed to giving our lives for. And messes happen all the time among our team uh, relationally. We've had to walk through some crazy seasons relationally, uh, but. I, I really think as long as you have a yes in your heart for, for the presence of God, like he has grown us so much, uh, relationally, we still have a long way to go, uh, but he's grown us so much relationally through conflict. And the one thing that we're certain of is like God's presence is worth it. And that's what we're after. We're after becoming a resting place for the Lord himself. And that's where his government gets sets up, gets set up. That's when, um, the fruit of that, I mean, is transform neighborhoods, transform cities. We're not going after this to transform our city. We're, like in, when we started Glory Nights, we, we were going after unity, uh, but that's not even worth going after. Um, the only thing go worth going after is being a resting place for God and letting him Good. govern from that place. And then everything gets worked out. Um, yeah. Like my house was packed last family night and we're starting to say like what do we what do we do now you know um but we're going to continue meeting together every second and fourth friday night ministering to the heart of the lord and and what mufa mufa says it best we we minister to him and when he moves we build around that 
we don't try and build something and ask God to bless it. And I think that's been, that's hard for us because uh, we're so like, we're, we're on fire. We're visionary. We're like, let's build something. And, uh, but it's like, no, let's, let's wait on the Lord. And when he moves, we, we, we can build structure around that. And, and I think that it's important to, to realize and point out as well that there, there's a lot of things that happen as a byproduct or an overflow of, of the primary purpose and value of ministering to the heart of Jesus. And, and Jeff just kind of said it, but like when, when we're talking about like when we're saying unity is not even worth pursuing more than getting in a room, ministering to the heart of the heart of Jesus and ministering to the Lord. But what would drive us to a point, what drives you to a point of saying that is recognizing, for example, we had a group of new believers that we were discipling. We never taught them about evangelism. Um, we would maybe encourage them, hey, step out, take a risk every now and then. We never taught them on evangelism. We were teaching them about what it meant to be lovers of Jesus, what it looked like to have a life that ministered to the Lord. They were coming to Wednesday night, Sunday night, new believers group. And they're talking about how they're winning people to Jesus on job sites. Uber drivers are coming to Jesus. People on the street are coming to Jesus. And that lifestyle of overflow was a direct result. It was, it was, it was the overflow of a heart ministering to Jesus, falling in love with Jesus. And it's important that we realize that when there's certain things that are meant to be the byproduct of ministering to the Lord, and there's certain things that are meant to be the, the overflow of the main thing, but we make, we try and take the overflow stuff and make that the main thing. It's almost like putting the cart before the horse. And oftentimes we get burnt out and frustrated because we really need to understand that the primary desire we believe in Jesus's heart is that there's a consistent cry in the father's heart that says, come away with me and come be with me. That, that Genesis chapter three, the creation account of Adam and Eve in a garden that when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just to, 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 to free us heal us and remove our sin from us. It was to reenact and reinstill a garden lifestyle and a garden mentality of where you live, breathe, walk, move, and have your being within him and with him. And you learn how to have that union and, and you experience it to, to the full. And when we do that, that is the main thing. So when like, that is what it is. And when we do that main thing, there's certain things that are an overflow and a result of that, that you don't need to pursue within themselves because they happen as intimacy, as, as, as intimacy being the focal point. And those things happen almost on accident. And then really you're able to enter into rest and you stop trying to impregnate God's vision with your efforts and you just fall flat on your face and you're able to live in such a way that first love and, and, and literally like first love, we would actually like, that's actually, it's, it's a, it's a commandment. It's, it's, it's a conviction in the father's heart. And as Clay was already sharing, but we believe that when you come into a room like that, it's not just a prayer session or a worship session. There's, there's a real person in the room named Jesus. When Jesus spoke to his disciples at the closing of John chapter 14 and said, it's better that I go so that a helper can come. Like the disciples did not have it better off than us. Oftentimes we think, man, well, the disciples had it easier. They had Jesus himself. Well, if Jesus himself were standing in front of you, he himself would say that, man, you have something that you don't even like you don't even know what you have. And, and it would it would suck to get to heaven one day and go up to one of the disciples and be like, man, what was it like to be a disciple of Jesus? I would hate to hear that disciple turn back to me and say, 
what was it like to have the fullness of God in you and you did nothing? <laughs> what, what was it like to have the fullness of God inside of you and you allowed your pastor or your Sunday morning to define him for you? And you never locked your and you never locked yourself in the room. And sure, let it be awkward for a minute. Like sit sit there uncomfortably, yeah. as 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 Jacqueline would say. Another one of our team members I love. She has this phrase that she says, "Jesus is in the tension, like tense moments." And we spend our whole entire lives wanting to avoid tension, and then we wonder why we never find and see Jesus yeah. because He exists in those moments. Yeah, and you can only experience the comforter when you're uncomfortable. And yeah. and one guy said it best recently. I listening to him preach. He said, we've made our, we've made our services so comfortable for people that the Lord's become uncomfortable. <laughs> and yeah. like, so again, we don't gather, we don't gather for people. We gather for the Lord, but do you guys have any, uh, any close closing thoughts? Um, any yeah. challenges for people who might be listening to this? I think that Matt just summed up everything that I would want to say in yeah. that right there. That was so really when- good. So we gather together to minister to the Lord and he takes care of the rest and that things just happen naturally when we make the Lord the number one. And I think like you said, Jeff, is that if we ever try to make church in our image or what we prioritize the most, you know, or whatever, it just becomes about us or it comes about if you're a pastor, if you you have a pastoral gifting, it comes about caring for people. If you're an evangelist, it comes about being outward and salvations and all those are super good, but all those are just fruit of ministering to people of as we lift up Jesus, he draws all people to himself. Come on, Bible. Come on. That's in the book. It's yeah. We also believe strongly in that that animal sacrifice. <laughs> oh gosh, get out we of here! We went forty five minutes without saying it. Yeah, dude, we went. We we had a good streak going, guys. That's. I'm just joking. That's not true. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. We don't. We are covenant New Testament ministry. Exactly. Right. We only well, do goats. Thank you, guys. Love you. Bless you. Tune in next time. Thank you, guys, for tuning in. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Along with each episode, we'll release an ebook you can find on our website at 420ministries.net. Uh, if you'd like to visit a family night or a prayer set, those details are also on our website. We'll see you next time.